0: All right, What did we learn our last study? It was two weeks ago, and we learned that we are all citizens of God's holy people, His family. It doesn't matter who you are or where you came from, God can redeem anyone. So don't let anyone ever tell you differently. We learned that together we are His house, His temple And we do have to live a life worthy of that calling, don't we? We also learned that we are joined with Christ. We have the same spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And the last is because we have been joined with Christ, we are now part of his big plan. We have a purpose. We have a job. We have a support system, don't we? And we are all important to the kingdom. And this week... We have the mysterious plan, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this amazing plan that you have, and it really is all about redeeming us, and I thank you for that. And as we go through this amazing scripture, as we learn more about how many uh, treasures we do have, Lord, would you anoint this time, would you bless this time? Would you help us to truly understand these things? We ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. In order to truly understand what Paul is about to say, you need to understand the context in which he is writing this. Who was he? Well, in Philippians 3, 3 through 6, it says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Wow, you're thinking he's pretty much full of himself. But wait, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. He's talking about us. And for as righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So, he wasn't being full of himself. He wasn't being conceited. He was just acknowledging, this is who I was before I met Jesus. But what we do see here is that Paul is a Jew among Jews, don't we? He did everything right and I think he's mentioning this because oftentimes we like to think a little more highly of ourselves well I go to church not only on Sundays but Tuesdays and Thursdays I teach Sunday school I serve in the church I you know I'm part of the crochet club whatever you know whatever you do see we can we can do the same thing can't we We get prideful in the fact that, you know, wow, I'm a pretty good Christian. But we all know that we're only what we are because of Jesus, amen? But then Jesus met Paul, and everything changed for him. He was now called to minister not only to the people he was persecuting, the Christians, the Jewish Christians, But he was supposed to minister to Gentiles. (gasps) See, Jews never interacted with the Gentiles, let alone minister and love on them. So there begins our scripture, Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. Verse 1 says, when I think of all this, what is he talking about? What is the this? Well, he was saying that that there is now no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. And each of us are important to the body of Christ. That's what he just said at the end of chapter 2. Then he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. Now, why does Paul refer to himself as a prisoner? Well, during this time, Paul was in fact a Roman prisoner. It is believed that he was imprisoned in the Mamertine prison in Rome itself, also known as the House of Darkness, a horrifying place. I mean, I have a little bit of claustrophobia, so to me, this is like horrifying. But this is kind of what his cell probably looked like. This is actually in Rome, and it was underneath the city, Prisoners had to be lowered into this prison. There was no light. The lower you were, the more sewage that was poured into your cell. Right? I mean, think about it. It is said that he was in the lowest levels. In order to receive food, he would have to rely on friends to deliver it. No doubt that is when he was... Uh, narrating to whomever this was that was writing these things down for him, he would write it and then he would take it up. So it's a pretty horrific situation, isn't it? Then he goes on to say, for the benefit of you Gentiles. Paul is in a Gentile prison, and yet he is writing this letter for the benefit of the Gentiles. And that benefit was to enrich their lives so that they truly understood exactly how much God loved them. And not only that, he was able to love on them also. Only God can give you that kind of love for for a person, isn't it? I mean, God is amazing in his love for others. Then verse 2 goes on to say, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. So we see here that Paul understands what his calling is, his ministry. And that is that the Gentiles understand God's grace towards them. And I love that it says here, extending. Now I have a ladder at home and I love this ladder being a little short. Uh, This ladder, you can make it short, you can make it like an eight foot, but it also pops up to like 10 feet, which is great. So, you know, you can paint, because I love to paint walls, and so, I know it's weird, but uh, I I just like the fresh look of paint, you know, new paint and stuff. But anyway, uh, so I have to have this extension ladder. That ladder allows me to reach areas that I normally could not reach. Likewise, Paul is an extension of God so that he can reach those people which up until that point were unreachable. And that is with his plan of salvation. Verse three goes on to say, as I wrote earlier, now he's referring to Ephesians 1, 9 through 11, and I will read it for you. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious mysterious plan regarding Christ." A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. That at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. That was the the introduction to this mysterious plan. But what is this plan? That at the right time, Jesus will bring everything together. He will bring all his people together. Then verse 3 goes on to say, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. So no doubt, being in prison, in the dark, Paul had a lot of time to be spoken to by the Lord. And you know that God did not desert him. You've got to understand that God never deserts Uh, deserts you. Did I say that right? Anyway, but um, no matter what is going on in your life, he will not desert you. And God was able to reveal all this to Paul. Verse four goes on to say, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. So Paul is about to expound on this great plan of God's and Paul will give insight into that plan. After all, he is a teacher, right? And that's an important note. The insight is through the, um, the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do these kind of things on our own. First Peter 4.11 says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that's so important, the ability that God supplies, that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. So is this not something that Paul can conjure on his own? He must have the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. And everything he did was for the glory of God. And it was in God's timing. Verse 5 goes on to say, God did not reveal it to the previous generations. He's talking about all the generations before, before Jesus came on the scene. But now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. So why not reveal it until now? Well, God's timing is always perfect. We don't have to understand why he waited. We just must trust that God always has a reason for everything he does. Even the apostles were impatient. I love this about God's plan. In Acts 1-6, right before Jesus went to heaven, the apostles approached him. And it says in Acts 1-6-9, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, I love that, sounds something like I would do, I'd keep asking. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, up until that point, everybody thought Jesus was supposed to come and drive the Romans out of their land and restore God's kingdom. See, they, they, they missed it. Some of them are still missing it. He replies, Jesus replies, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. Oh, snap. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he's saying, okay, it's God's timing, but I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love that. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud. Well, they were watching and they could no longer see him. Right after that, we find in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and they take the world by storm, don't they? And the church becomes a force. The gospel goes out and Jews and Gentiles alike are being saved. So it's all about God's timing. But God hasn't come to conquer yet. That's still to come. When Jesus comes again, that's when he will be that conquering king. Then verse six goes on to say, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. See, God never plays favorites. Never plays favorites. There is no partiality. Uh, There's a wonderful story in Acts chapter 10, and it's about a Roman officer named Cornelius. He was actually a God-fearing man, and an angel appeared to him and told him to send for Peter so that Peter could tell him about the Messiah, Jesus. And so he sent for Peter. Peter arrived, went into the Gentiles' home. Now, that just didn't ever happen And listen to what happens next. Acts 10, 34 through 36. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. There's nothing more to say, is there? God saves everyone equally. And it was Peter, I mean, you got to love Peter. Stick your foot in your mouth, Peter. And he is being used in this way. It's an amazing thing. So we all share equally in God's riches. And how do we do that? Verse 6 goes on to say, both are part of the same body. So when you buy a new outfit, aren't you... Putting that new outfit on your whole body. I mean, you're not going to leave your, your feet out, right? The same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Now, the answer is because they belong to Jesus. And we—and he can do whatever he wants with his blessings. And he chooses to bless us all equally. If you're like me, you might be thinking, Why? And I believe it's because if there is any favoritism within the body of Christ, then unity would not be achieved. And that's true today, just as it was back then. See, there would always be the haves and the have-nots. And because God never shows partiality, neither should we. And this is so important. James chapter 2 speaks of this. And you can turn to this if you would like. It's very important. It's probably something that you should mark in your Bible, and it says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, oh, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this, discriminate, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Ooh, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor of this writ, this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Boy, James is really going after it, isn't he? Yes, yes indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some over others, you are committing sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Wow, what is our conclusion here? God doesn't show partiality, therefore we must not. And God reinforces this by considering it a privilege, I love that, a privilege to preach to the Gentiles. Someone that was considered far lower than the Jewish people. Verse seven goes on to say, by God's grace and mighty power, notice what that says, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Wow, for such a short verse, this packs a lot of punch, doesn't it? How does he do all this? By God's grace and mighty power. And he is honored to be given that task by God. And he serves God by spreading the gospel to whomever God calls him to spread it to. Then he goes on to say something amazing. Verse eight, though I am the least, least deserving of all God's people. I'm thinking the least deserving. He's languishing in a horrible prison for preaching the gospel and he considers himself the least deserving deserving. I mean, I'd be pretty complaining. I'd be, I'd be complaining a lot by this time. But to truly understand Paul, listen to what he says about himself. Now factor in what he had said when we started this study about he was the Jew of Jews and he did all these things. Listen to 2 Timothy 1, 12-15. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who enabled me, because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord has exceedingly abundant was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which we are in. Christ Jesus this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief notice it doesn't say I was chief he says I am chief I mean this Paul is a truly a humble guy and God always uses the humble because then pride doesn't get in the way and Paul recognized who he was before Christ and who he now is in Christ. He, then verse 8 goes on to say, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Have you ever thought that it's a privilege to share Jesus It really is a privilege. It is a privilege for me to stand up here and teach. It is a privilege to serve God in any way. Sometimes we will look at these things as a chore. Well, yeah, I got to go to church again. You know, really don't want to, but people are going to talk if I don't. Come on, you've all done this, right? But we must understand that we are simply God's mouthpiece. He can use us in whatever way he wants. All we have to do is surrender to him. Allow him to work through you. This isn't something that you have to be nervous about. It's just something that if you are willing, God will use you. And he gives you all the tools you need in order to accomplish this. It's the Holy Spirit always, always speaking through us. And Paul takes this one step further. He wants the Gentiles to know all the treasures available to them because of what Jesus has done. He wants them to have an abundant life in him. He says in verse 9, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Why keep this all secret? Well, we touched on this a little bit before. Again, because God's timing is always perfect. We shouldn't question it. We should just accept it because he knows so much more. After all, he created the universe. And when the time was right, God revealed Jesus Christ, that plan. Verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wow. So God wanted to display the wisdom of the gospel to all in heaven and in earth. The unseen rulers, perhaps we're talking about future generations, and also, though, the authorities in heaven. And I had to look this up. Okay, what are we talking about here? Most people believe, most commentators believe that we're talking about angelic beings. They are witnessing all of this that is happening here on earth. Proving that he loves, God loves all his creations. After all, he created all of us, angels and us alike. Verse 11. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So from the very beginning, God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, and so he had to establish this plan of salvation from the very beginning because sin would have to have the sacrifice in order to cleanse us. Verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Now, a great companion passage, of course, is found in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. And it's in our our worksheets today, but it, it needs to be repeated. He says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So it doesn't matter who or what you are or have done, if you go to God through your high priest, Jesus, you can come boldly with confidence, knowing that he's not going to reject you. You can speak to God, and this is amazing. We can speak to God boldly with confidence, and he is the creator of the universe. I mean, he's better than any avenger, okay? Just saying, right? It's just sometimes we forget exactly how powerful God is. That he blows anything out of the water. Anything we can imagine. Of course, we need to be respectful. Just as a child is is requesting something of their father. We must be respectful. But we know he will never reject us. 13 goes on to say, So please, don't lose heart. I guess if anybody knew what it was like to lose heart, it would be Paul understanding where he was. Because of my trials here, I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. So Paul finishes up this section of scripture with a word of encouragement. He doesn't want them to worry about all he is suffering. In fact, he wanted them to feel honored that he was thinking of them. So even when he was suffering greatly, he worried about the Ephesians. He wanted them to understand God's love. So what can we put in our treasure chest this week? Wow, there's a lot, isn't there? Well, verses 1 and 2, we learn that God sent Paul, who was suffering mightily, to make sure that we understand all the blessings afforded us through Jesus Christ. In other words, God truly cares for us because he sent Paul. He wants us to know what is in our treasure chest. Verse 6 goes on to say that we share equally in all the blessings. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. We all enjoy the blessings equally because we are all one body. Verse 7 tells us that it is a privilege to be called to share Jesus and his blessings with others. Don't you love to share good news? I mean, like, uh, you you find out you're going to be a grandparent. You want to tell everybody, don't you? This is like, wow, this is the most exciting thing. It's the same way. We should look at the gospel as saying, wow, this is the most amazing thing. Listen to this. Look what I have learned. God wants us to share the most amazing news in the history of the world with others. I mean, think about it that way. It is truly a privilege, and we must treat it as such. Verse 8 says, To sum it up, it doesn't matter if you're deserving or not. God can still use you. Paul considered himself a chief of sinners, the top sinner, the sinner boss, sinner leader, sinner president, the premier sinner. And yet God used him, didn't he? And God can use each one of us. He's in the business of restoring souls. Verse 12 tells us that we can go boldly and confidently into God's presence. I liken this to how my sons, I would want them to come to me and ask me anything they want if they need something. God is the same way. He is your Abba Father. Abba is another word for like dad, It's an endearing term. He wants us to come to him. Nothing is too small to ask. And we can do this because Jesus now is that go-between. Because of what Jesus did for us, God sees us as righteous and holy. Not dirty with sin, but because Jesus says, I got this, Dad. He's one of mine. Then you can now call God, Dad. See, the most amazing thing about this whole book of Ephesians is the manner in which, or situation in which, Paul is living. If anyone is able to speak these truths, it would be Paul. And this must have had an impact on the Ephesians. It had to have been great. This prison where he was at was infamous. People never wanted to go there. And in my uh, research, I found out that what they accused him of, and this was amazing to me, they accused him of hating people. That's why he was imprisoned. And I'm going, what? But that was the accusation how, you know, this is true persecution. And that's how, you know, the world can twist things up. But this was a servant who was truly living out his faith by his deeds. Showing just how much God, how much he loved God and God loved others. And he showed how much he loved people also. And Paul would continue to suffer until he was executed but he considered it an honor to suffer. How? Because he knew that his, his life was short. And then at the end of his life, he got the most amazing gift ever. And he got to spend eternity in heaven with his Lord Jesus. That's how he got through it all. That's how we get through things, isn't it? Knowing that, you know what? This world is not my own. I'm just passing through. And that's how we need to look at these things. But in the meantime, meantime, he wanted everyone to know Jesus and not only know him, but to truly understand what it meant to follow him and receive all these many blessings. I started with Philippians 3.6 where Paul spoke about uh, not putting confidence in the fact that he did all these great things in his Jewish faith. But then verse 7 begins a narrative about what it was truly worth, all these things, all these works that he did. And In Philippians 3, 7 through 11, it says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. You don't get much lower than the situation he was in. Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Wow, isn't he like your hero? Right? It's like this guy had the right attitude, no matter the circumstance. He loved God and he loved people. And then when you factor in that he penned these words also while he was languishing in prison, that's pretty amazing. Now, while we are probably not going to have to suffer like him, we do have our own difficulties, don't we? But God will give you the grace, and I will leave you with that. During some of the most difficult times in my life, I always knew that God would give me the grace to get through it, no matter what. God will always give you the grace. You don't have to fear those things. You may not have the grace at this moment to get through something like that, but when the moment arrives, God gives you the grace. That's the glory of it. He gives it to you when you need it. So take comfort in this because he loves us so much. He wants us to fill up our treasure chest, know exactly everything he wants you to know, and then you can serve him in an amazing way. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, once again, there is so much to to learn from this scripture, so much to gleam, so much to apply to our lives. Help us to do that. Help these words to not just be words, but help us to to meditate upon them, to think on them, to understand the privilege it is to be uh, one of your servants, Lord. It's an amazing task. But Lord, you don't leave us to do this on our own. You fill us with with the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish everything you ask us to do so lord we want to be good servants give us the strength we ask in jesus name amen